Hi, everyone, and welcome to Happy Not Satisfied. My name is Dan Morrison, and I am the founder of Happy Not Satisfied and the host of this podcast. I have a very special guest here today with me. Uh, she has her law degree. She has her MBA. She was general counsel for two publicly traded companies before becoming an entrepreneur and opening her own law firm. Um, she's actually who helped me get the trademark for Happy Not Satisfied, and she is truly one of the nicest and smartest people I know. <laughs> so welcome to uh, Happy Not Satisfied, Kelly Kubeta. How are you? Just fine. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, of course. I, I just, the light bulb went off and I knew that you would be a perfect guest. Um, you've achieved so much. You're an entrepreneur. You're like, you're a mom. You're doing all these amazing things. So I'm excited uh, to get to talk to you today. And I think before we jump into some of the, the typical things I hit on the podcast, I would love to hear a little bit more about why you decided to go off on your own and start your own law firm. Obviously, you had a, a successful career in a more traditional kind of path, it sounds like. So what was the thinking there? And was it a long-term plan? And, and just kind of how did that come about? No, that's, that's a great question. And I wish I had this um, polished um, thought process that went into it. But it really was just one of those situations where it just you know hit me in the face that I was not really in, I felt like I was not in control of my time. So it wasn't so much like, hey, I want to become like the biggest, you know, or most profitable law firm. It was more of my time is not my own. And so I thought, okay, if I don't do something about this now, then I'm going to just keep having this reoccurring kind of mental argument in my mind about how um, I'm not spending as much time as I wanted on certain things or with certain people in my life at the time. So I went home and I told my husband that I wanted to quit my job and start my own law firm. And he was remarkably <laughs> calm and didn't, you know, uh, didn't tell me I shouldn't do it. But it was, you know, his immediate <laughs> comment was, it's interesting because you're one of the only attorneys in town that has never worked at a law firm, yet you <laughs> want to open a law firm. <laughs> and he was absolutely correct, but he was incredibly supportive. And I don't know, it, it wasn't like I had this um, specific plan or even a specific mentor that was showing me a roadmap, but it was just something that I just knew in my gut that I had to do. Hmm. Otherwise, I was going to regret it, mm -hmm. at least give it a go. So I didn't know if it was going to be successful, but I definitely was certain that I had to do it. Yeah. And that's a great answer. I have, I have several thoughts and questions to follow up that. So <laughs> when you got your MBA, obviously, um, and not all people that get a law degree do that. So was there a thought that this might happen eventually? Or when I guess, which degree did you get first? And kind of what what was the thought there? No, great question. So my father is an attorney. Mm. And my entire life, I knew that I wanted to go to law school. I mean, I was that dorky kid on career day in fifth grade that dresses up as an attorney, because <laughs> I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that's solely because of my dad, I have yeah. a lot of respect and admiration for him. But the problem was, so I got I got my undergraduate degree in business at Texas A&M University, and then went straight to law school at Texas Tech. And after my first year of law school, I hated it. <laughs> ah, I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the prospect of going to work for a law firm just seemed, I mean, like I would rather have a 
you know, a poke in the eye. I mean, I, and so it was very um, jarring <laughs> because this has been my plan literally my entire life is to go to, to law school and obviously to become an attorney. And um, so at that time, Texas Tech had a dual degree program okay. through through their business school. And so it it was wonderful for me. It was a great experience because my, um, you know, it was a bit of a relief to get to go spend time in the business school with the business classes. And I definitely was drawn more to those type of classes than necessarily my my law classes. Mm -hmm. um, so it was the right um, solution at that time to help carry me through the rest of law school. Okay, cool. So you got a, a dual degree. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. Going back to talking about having control over your time, I can relate to that so completely. And I actually only realized how much I value, valued that in the last two years because I obviously left a career and went went to business school myself. Um, and for the first time, even though I was in school, it was not nearly as intensive from especially a time standpoint as, you know, having my full-time job. And I realized how much I loved having control over my time and it changed yeah. my perspective on everything and then what priorities are. And I know you even said your goal wasn't necessarily to have the most profitable company or anything like that. Um, not that you don't want to succeed in that realm, yeah. but it's just, I think it's easy to lose sight of how important our time is because it's really the most valuable thing that we have. Um, and I think it's a great reason to do anything. And as someone that I, it's kind of funny because for the first time in my life, at the end of this month, I will not be on a school schedule. Um, because <laughs> even before I got into school, my dad was a high school band director. So I was on that school schedule. Then I went to school and then I was a band director and now I'm in school again. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting development to have even more freedom over my time. Um, but I guess along those lines, because that is such an amazing outcome of owning your own business, you know, obviously it's busy and it's probably stressful, but you do have more autonomy, I think, on your time. But was like, how did you balance it in terms of it being maybe quote unquote scary to go off on your own, but knowing that there's also that other side of how rewarding and meaningful it could be? Yeah, I mean, it, and time management is certainly something I still struggle with. I mean, I wish I could tell you I had the the solution and the recipe yeah. because this podcast would be super popular yeah. if I did. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is, at the end of the day, if I am not satisfied with how I spent my time during that day, I, I, I'm accountable to myself versus in being a general counsel working for a big company, I felt like or I used the excuse that it was, you know, the business kind of driving how my time or my schedule went. Whereas now it's me and, and that that's good and bad because now, you know, you have to hold yourself accountable. There's nobody else to hold you accountable, but yourself, but it's given me the freedom to make decisions that in a corporate big company environment, you just for right, right or wrong, you feel like you can't make. And now you can. And even yeah. if that means sacrificing revenue, if it means sacrificing profitability, so be it. But it's an informed choice and it's a choice versus not having that choice. Yeah. Being a yeah. sacrifice. Having the choice. That's interesting. Do you have any advice for somebody that might be like maybe for a long time they've been thinking like, I want to go on my own or I want to try this business or like they're on the fence or they're close, but they're, they, they are maybe a little bit scared of losing the safety net. Um, like what, what would you say to that person? 
I would say whatever you're thinking about doing or choosing to do, you have to be incredibly passionate about what that thing is, whether it's something you're creating or a service you're providing. You have to have this burning um, flame of just passion for what you do. Because being an entrepreneur, as you know, Daniel, <laughs> mm -hmm. it wears off, the novelty of it wears off very yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah. And if you are not just super fired up about what it is at a very fundamental level about what you're creating, what you're providing, it's not going to last. Because being an entrepreneur, there are very dark days, very long days, very mm -hmm. Lots <laughs> of know, ups and Yes, for sure. But for me, what really pushed me through those challenging times was my passion for what I was doing and for the people and the clients that I was doing it for. So that's what I would say is reflect upon, are you, you know, romanticizing to a certain degree, mm -hmm. the notion of being an entrepreneur controlling your schedule, or are you um, actually excited about what you're, you're doing? Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think sometimes people get, like you said, romanticizing, especially the tech startup scene, this and that or something. Oh. It's like, it's not that they're passionate about an idea or have a product or anything. It's just, I want to be like living that lifestyle as opposed to, I want to be doing that thing or like that right. job or that career or that path. And I think it's easy to confuse those two things. Yes. Um, and so I think that's great advice. But I also think, you know, if you do have that honest conversation and and it's something that you feel like, you would regret not trying that you should try it. I mean, it's just, we only, we only have one life to live. So, I mean, I think you can come back to what you're doing and this is just my personal opinion. And like yeah. we were talking right before this, and I've probably said this in other episodes, but a, a mentor of mine, when I was choosing to make a big change was he said, leap in the net will appear. And I think that if the answer to your sort of question about, are you passionate about this? Do you love this is yes then the net will appear. Yes. But if I, I yeah. think if you're chasing something, something like money or, or something like that, right. You might not have a net there. And so yes. it's important to make that distinction. It's, it's a nuanced kind of a decision that, right. that takes a lot of introspection, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not to like quote Miley Cyrus, but it, it, it is about <laughs> but I'm going to quote journey. Miley it's, Cyrus. <laughs> it's not about the, you know, it's not about the consequence or the injury. It, you know, it's about the journey that you go on. It's through. happy, not satisfied. That's what it's all about. That's my whole <laughs> exactly. thing here. Yeah, exactly. So if you were focused on, oh my gosh, it would be amazing to have a summer home in Malibu. This is right. Which it would. I mean, you need it, to would, reflect. But yeah. <laughs> it would. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying it's not, but yeah, that's, <laughs> if that's your goal, then you'll probably never get there. Right. Right. Yeah. Or it's just gonna, it's, you know, I have so much respect for entrepreneurs and business owners, because I don't care if you're selling lollipops or what it is that you're doing. It is not for the week for sure. Yeah. And so anybody that even attempts to do it, even if they end up returning to their previous career, whatever, I just have a lot of respect because it takes guts. It takes um, courage um, to do something like that. And so I just have an immense respect for anybody. Me that too. And I think also, even if, even if it doesn't work out the way you hoped, no matter what, you'll learn a lot and you'll probably be better for it. And you won't even yes. know why at the time, you know? Yes, for sure. And um, now that I know you're you're going through graduate school right now, I will mm -hmm. tell you that, I mean, I got an undergraduate business degree, I got my MBA, and I feel like financial statements didn't become three dimensional until I owned my own business. Oh, yeah, where it was just like, Oh, that's what they meant by it. whenever it's your money. 
It's a totally different <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it like you're analyzing Microsoft's to... balance sheet as opposed <laughs> yes. to like, no, this is the money that I personally have. Yes. Yeah. So there's something, again, if you, if you love that, then there's something exciting about that. Mm -hmm. Frightening um, at times as well, but it, it's just, it, it's such a learning experience. Yeah. It's yeah, incredible. Absolutely. That's, that's great. And I love hearing that story. Um, and as you know, when everyone that listens to this podcast, I always try to talk to people about when they've created their own luck and it kind of just ties into the, the whole ethos of, of happy, not satisfied. And, you know, seeing that, I only see the tip of your iceberg. I see this really successful attorney who's got a great family and got it going on and all these things, but I don't know what the rest of your iceberg looks like, how you really built that. Um, and I'm sure that you've had times where maybe it seemed like you were lucky or you felt like you really did something that was under the surface that created an opportunity for you. So I would love if you have anything like that to talk about. I'd love to hear about it. Sure. I mean, for me, it's always been working hard is what creates my luck without yeah. a doubt without hard work without you know putting in the time and the effort and the commitment then it genuinely is luck whatever good things that sure. come yeah. without without doing those things but in starting my business i mean i had a laptop and worked out of my house for the first 18 months and for the 10 years prior to that i was an executive general counsel for publicly traded companies yeah, yeah. that's a very different environment but it was just something that again i i can't tell you exactly what it was but it was just in my gut i knew that it was something that i had to do yeah and just knowing that based on my experiences thus far in life that hard work will pay off you know as long as you are competent capable and put in the hard work and then along the way making choosing to make refinements to yourself to mm -hmm. get better, you know, yeah, and not absolutely. just stay where you are. And um, yeah, so that's how I feel like I kind of created my own luck with this law firm. It may seem like, oh, I just, you know, bought a building and started doing legal work I mean, out of it. Before <laughs> I got to talking to you, like, I didn't know any better. I was like, that probably is what happened, you know? So I was like, well, let's find out what really happened. Yes. But no, there were many just days of like, what am I doing? You know, working from home and I'm not a good work from home person. I need yeah. to be in an office space. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's getting over self-doubt. It's getting over doubt of, of others, but just knowing that, you know, kind of staying the course and putting in that time, that work, that commitment, good things will come. Maybe, you know, and I never put that on myself to have the Malibu home in, yeah. you know, summer if you home. Get it, I'm not, coming to visit though. <laughs> that's not what I was chasing. I think it was just more of just chasing something stable that I created. And that's something yeah. I'm very proud of that yeah. I started with nothing more than a laptop. And so it was just talking to people and then you know, kind of building up our client base, just based on referrals. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I met you. Yeah, I got referred um, to you. Yeah. Yeah. So just building up based on good work, commitment, you know, um, that's, that's how I feel like I've gotten to where I am thus far. Yeah, no, I love that. And you, you mentioned something about like self-refinement. Um, and I had never thought of it in that exact term, but that's obviously a huge part of, of happy, not satisfied. And of, of my personal journey, I feel like, which is what was kind of the the catalyst to even start any of this in the first place, um, was realizing, and I, I would love to hear a little bit from you on this too, is just realizing how important like taking care of myself was to being successful in all the other parts of my life. And 
to having better relationships and to being able to think more clearly. And I mean, I'm just talking about things like, you know, exercising and trying to eat better and meditating or, or whatever it might be. I get the impression that you're somebody that prioritizes these things as well. And I think sometimes it seems like, oh, you're only doing that so that you can look a certain way or, or whatever. And, and for me, it's like, well, no, literally, if I don't do this stuff, I'm a much worse version of me, <laughs> whether I look yeah. like this or something else or whatever, like I'm not going to have the same relationship with my wife. I'm not going to be able to be a leader of other people in the same way. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. And like, I kind of just changed everything and never looked back when I realized that. And I'm not saying that you had that, but I'm curious if just the wellness piece and sort of like you said, the self-refining thing, uh, how you look at that and how you've seen that in your life. And this is definitely an area of my life that I'm a, a work in progress. Uh, Everyone for is, sure. yeah. Yes, but it, it's so important. I mean, I love what I do and I'm very, very passionate about it, but that can get to a toxic level. Sure. And it has at times, you know, mm -hmm. where I put my work and um, delivering on commitments to the business before my family. I've done that a lot. I'm not proud of that. I recognize it. I accept it. Yeah. And that's where the self-refinement comes in. I also have an amazing husband that has a much better grasp of that balance. He does mm -hmm. such a better job than I do in terms of like just wrapping it up at night and compartmentalizing, on other right? Things. That's I, yes. yeah, I am not good at that either. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he is really, really good at that. I mean, he, you know, kicks butt during the day at his job. He's yeah. amazing. He's an attorney, by the way. Oh, um, nice. He does <laughs> a great job at what he, he does during the day, but then he's just really good at kind of prioritizing what, you know, the world is not going to fall apart if X, Y, and Z doesn't get done. Tonight. I know, but it feels Whereas, like it sometimes, right? I know, yeah. I know, but it, it's, it's an, I, and I will say this happened just within the last couple of years. It's an indulgent scratch that I'm, you know, partaking in by trying to feel like, oh, I've got to get this done. And huh. it's like, no, no, it doesn't. And guess what? Our, we have two precious girls and they're not going to be around in our house forever. So right. Don't, you know, don't take that for granted and don't take my husband for granted either. Yeah. Yeah. No. And what that reminds me directly of what you're talking about when you kind of put, you get out of whack and you, you think that like, this is the most important thing in the world. Um, something, my sister once told me this, this story about the, she went through a period of time where she was afraid of flying and she had to fly all the time. And so like, that wasn't <laughs> great. Um, and what she said, she finally realized was that she had it like this thing in her head that if she didn't stress about the plane, that then something bad was going to happen. Like that she felt like yes. her stress was keeping the plane in the air. And at first I was yes. like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. And then I was like, yeah. I literally do that now with flying, but with my job. I'm like, if mm -hmm. I am not constantly stressing about my job, I'm going to somehow forget yeah. everything or something's going right. to slip through the cracks and we're right. not going to do well and I'm going to blow it. Yep. And that's not true. If anything, it's actually the opposite. You're burning yourself out and you're not yes. giving your best. And so that point I often find people can relate to. And it's something I still struggle with a lot. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, um, and, and you mentioned the the stress that your sister had with lying. Like um, I went through, interestingly, um, a period of time. It was probably, you know, I, I think it manifested itself at different periods looking back on my life, but, um, I had absolute panic attacks about public speaking. Oh, wow. Guess what? That's a, 
that's a big problem if you're a general counsel and yeah. head of HR or I don't know, an attorney that needs to speak um, in court. And I still struggle with it. But in talk, you asked the question about creating your own luck. Yeah, I absolutely forced myself into these traumatic experiences to get it. You know, I kept thinking like, oh, if I wear this certain bracelet, all of a sudden, my mind is going to like come overcome its neurosis or whatever. And it never worked. And I mean, Daniel, I mean, we're talking humiliating panic attacks, like where my throat, you know, cuts off, cannot breathe. You know, you hear about fight or flight. I mean, some of the things that would go through my mind to use in these as an excuse as to why they, why I had to run off and not, you know, uh, be able to speak was insane. I mean, it was just crazy. And I am, that's one of my most proud accomplishments. Yeah. I still struggle with it, but it was absolutely overwhelming as far as that. And then trying to think about who am I, what am I going to do with my career if I can't overcome this? Sure. I, th- no, this is great. I'm so glad you shared this. So what did you do specifically to get from there to here? I I mean, so first went through like every book you can read to read your way out of it. I tried to go to counseling to counsel my way out of it. And then I don't, again, I think it was by happenstance that it was just like, you have to put yourself in this circumstance yeah. to get over it. It's kind of like maybe even flying, like you cannot not do it. Like you're not going to just, you know, wish your way out of it. You just right. have to put yourself into these um, circumstances. But I still have my little um, tricks. Like I wear um, certain jewelry. I mean, things that nobody would ever know yeah. of, but it's kind of like my armor. Like I wear yeah. my grandmother's wedding ring today. Oh, like cool. as my- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, my, my wedding band was my grandfather's. So oh, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. But it's just those things where you're like, nobody loves me. You know, I'm very grateful for having such a great relationship with my grandmother. And so this gives me, you know, um, a certain amount of confidence just having her with me. So I love that. I mean, that is absolutely the definition of creating your own luck. I mean, you took something that was a weakness, like a debilitating weakness and made it something that you could not only just do, but to me, it's a strength. I mean, just doing this right now is kind of a version of public speaking. And you were like yes, so poised yeah. and so articulate <laughs> and eloquent. Like I would never in a million years have guessed that you would have said what you just said. So I'm really glad you shared that. And I think that that's those kinds of stories are so important for people to hear because yes. you could have given in and you could have been, well, I don't know, <sighs> I'll go just do something else or uh, right. I'm just going to not do it. But you didn't. Yes. And now you yep. own your own law firm and you're thriving and like all these things. So. <laughs> It's that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, absolutely. Um, So just a couple other things to touch on before we, we head out here. But one thing I'm curious to know, obviously you run your own company and you have people that work with you and I mean, for you or however you want to put that, but how do you look at leadership and what are some of the things that you think about when, you know, talking to the people that work for your company and motivating and inspiring and all those things that are so important that sometimes don't get talked about in the context of a company. Yep. No. And this ties into, I focus a lot on employment law in my practice because mm-hmm. we represent businesses, but um, one of the greatest gifts that you can give as a supervisor, manager, mentor is feedback. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know, sometimes that is perceived as, oh my gosh, 
you know, it's criticism. They're trying to attack me. They're trying to harass me and discriminate. And it's kind of come up with a really negative connotation. And that's very unfortunate mm. because none of us are perfect. And genuinely, if you have a supervisor or a mentor or a boss that's giving you, hey, here's, you know, you got this wrong. This is the way to do it. Or here's something you can do to do better next time. That is one of the best gifts that anybody can give you. Because I feel like the pendulum has swung and now it's like, unless somebody does something really egregious, you managers tend to keep their mouth shut and not provide that feedback. Mm -hmm. And that's very unfortunate. And mm -hmm. so one thing that I really work on with my team is just giving that feedback. We have one-to-one -one meetings. Um, we try to have them weekly as frequently as possible, but just to have that, you know, and it goes both ways, but without that, then there's like this, you know, uh, expectation of perfection, which is just not realistic. And I also think it leads to like passive aggressive behavior and resentment oh, yes. and ultimately I mean, can end in like someone just doesn't like the confrontation or whatever to it's not confrontation, but just someone doesn't feel comfortable giving feedback or whatever. And then all of a sudden somebody's getting fired and they had no idea that they were doing anything wrong in the first place. I think that's pretty yes. common actually. I, I do too. And, um, I am not a big fan of annual performance reviews. There's right. nothing wrong with doing it, but neither one of you, the employee or the um, leader should be surprised about anything that is communicated. Yeah. I mean, it's, that is just a really, it's a crutch that I feel like everybody's kind of fallen into. Oh, you know, Daniel and I are going to have our um, annual review in six weeks. So whenever he just screwed up, I'll just wait until then. Yeah. And then it's like, I mean, we're, there's so many analogies and Daniel, you're going to get accustomed to this as being a new father, but yeah. um, with being parenting, I mean, whenever your child does something wrong, if you wait six weeks to tell them about it, guess what? They're, oh, yeah. they're going to see it as an attack. Yeah. Like why in the heck would you tell me at the time that it happened and people were humans. And so it resonates, it's appreciated, it's understood, it's absorbed if it's done in the, in the moment versus some contrived later, yeah, you know, absolutely manual yeah. process. And, and you're talking about like having one-on-one -on -one meetings almost weekly. That's, that's gotta be huge because then you can just talk through things and small things stay small things. I think one of the yes. biggest problems is a little thing happens and then someone gets a little like upset about it and there's resentment and then another thing happens. And then all of a sudden it's like all this stuff lurking under the surface that could have just been avoided. Yes. And weekly meetings sound like a lot, but 10, 15 minutes, it doesn't yeah. have to be anything, you know, significant. Um, and especially as a business owner, there's nothing more important than the people on my team because I'm not going to be successful if, without them. So 10, right. 15 minutes is a easy, easy choice in terms of um, investing that time with them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What? Um, so obviously leadership is not something that's just like, a skill that you've attained and then you always have it. I I don't think at least, right? You're always you're constantly working on yourself and working on how to be a better leader. Is there anything that you do consciously or that maybe when you went from working at a company to owning your own company, like things you thought of or research you just whatever, just about leadership? I'm just curious. Well, and I, I get an interesting perspective as an employment attorney. I get to see mm -hmm. all the mistakes that other leaders make. You and could write so, a book about it. Yeah, that's I know, so cool. I know. That'd be <laughs> such an interesting perspective, actually. I think you should do it. 
but it's so specific to the environment, you know, the employee, what their expectations, what their upbringing, you know, kind of their backstory, you know, as they arrive at the, you know, working at the company. Same thing with the the manager and the supervisor. There's so much we bring in terms of our expectations and our experiences that you don't see. You talked about the tip of the iceberg, same yeah. situation. Yes. And it's it's been so enlightening to get to <laughs> benefit from seeing other people's mistakes, even great intentions, but the execution and the delivery um, <laughs> didn't wasn't as it should be. And I think for the most part, it's the lack of empathy. That is one of the greatest mm -hmm. characteristics that you can have as a leader is to be able to think about the impact to not just the person in front of you, but the other people around. And that is, that, that's been some of the most powerful leaders that I've witnessed. Yeah. And it reminds me, I, I do some work with this like leadership company for student leaders and we do sort of these seminars with them. And one of the activities that we always do is that this is work, there's workbook. It's hard to say workbook. <laughs> um, and um, it, it, they're supposed to write down what's keeping you from fully participating today? Like what's distracting you? What's on your mind? Like, is it, you know, something's going on at home, whatever, whatever. And so they write that down and they think that maybe they're gonna have to share it or something. And of course you don't make them and you, you try to, you, it's like, why do you think we're making you do this? Um, mm -hmm. And you say, who has something written down? Every kid raises their hand. And the takeaway is that everybody has stuff. Everybody yes, has something that. going on. Yeah. And like, so no one's reading what they wrote down, but everyone wrote something down. And so if you have stuff going on, then this person that you're leading inevitably does too. And it could be something really intense that you just have no idea about. So like leading with empathy and assuming the, the best and giving people grace, I think that goes so far and is something that is not done enough. Um, certainly, I think in corporate America, but really in any situation where people are working together. Yes. And I think that the balance to strike is making sure, though, that your team um, also is showing up ready to work yeah. and not letting those things kind of bleed into the workplace, because that's also um, kind of a treacherous um, environment is whenever those external issues and experiences are now eclipsing <laughs> the sure. purpose. Yeah, no, I agree. But then on, and then I would go a step further though and say as a leader that you, you've cultivated such meaningful relationships that then people are willing and able to do that as opposed yes. to like, you've got to leave your home life at home. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. that's going to yes, get you the desired sure. result. Right. And to be able to communicate, hey, I, I can't be fully here. I can't be fully present like you yeah. described. So therefore, I need time off to, you know, take care of whatever it is. And that's important. And, and it's important to be able to be vulnerable and have that kind of um, communication so that I only want you when you can be here. You know, you not being fully here is not helpful to to anybody. So I'd much yeah. rather you use that time to go take care of whatever you you need to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's really interesting. Leadership and, and relationships, especially in the workplace, is just something that I don't think gets enough attention and would solve a lot of the world's problems, <laughs> to be honest. I think oh, absolutely. the focus on leadership is not where it needs to be. And people like to talk about, oh, we're developing leaders, but don't actually necessarily do that. And then you look and somebody might be really skilled, like an engineer or something at what they're doing. And they're so good at that, that then they're promoted to a position of managing people and have never 
maybe even wanted to do that, had any experience doing that, are not a people person, you know? And so then it creates all this animosity and it's just, I don't know. It just seems like it happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, the, the most frequent place where I see that and it rarely works out is in sales. Like, mm. oh my gosh, Daniel's amazing. He's kicking butt, you know, selling. Let's get him to lead people, get him yeah. out of selling and then get him to lead people. Like somehow your sales juju is gonna like, you Wear know, off on everybody. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it just happens a lot um, in terms of that type of, I never thought about making. sales. And yeah. That, that I could see oh that though. Gosh. It's a certain yeah. type of personality. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And I, and I also think that especially bigger organizations, they want to have a playbook. They want to have a checklist. Like if we go through right. one through 10, we will, you know, create like and manufacture these consistent leaders that have all the same goals and da, 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 da. And it's just not that simple. I no. mean, it, and it certainly takes way more of an investment um, than just creating a checklist. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, you could even, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole, but like the same thing with DEI stuff is like, well, we're just oh. going to say we do it and oh, check some totally. boxes, but not do it in a meaningful and helpful way. Yeah. And I think with DEI, I think with leadership, it almost, it becomes this insulting yeah, um, 100%. exercise. Mm -hmm. And I think, people can smell from a mile away whenever it is kind of a superficial exercise versus an intentional, but intentional means time and thoughtfulness and tailoring to the circumstance. And, you know, just depending on what the business wants to prioritize, that may just not be in the cards, but I've, I've told our clients or certain clients that this is arisen where I'm like, just wait, it's better to do it when you're ready and you can do it really, really well. Yeah, and genuinely, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially something like a DEI, that program that people will be able to tell right away whether you're genuine about this. And if you're not just, you know, wait and wait until you're ready. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. Um, man, we got, we got far down the rabbit hole here. This is good. though. This is good. <laughs> um, the last thing I just want to quickly just ask you about, obviously happy, not satisfied, being happy, but not satisfied. And this idea of that being a good thing and not that like, it's like, Oh, I'm not satisfied. Isn't that bad? But it's just kind of, you know, it's a little mantra about finding joy from continuous growth and going to bed, proud of what you did that day while looking forward to what you get to do the next day. Um, it's something that I'm always striving to like incorporate into my life because I, I suffer from or struggle with this idea of I'll be happy once I, and I always have of like, thinking about the next goal that I can get to. And it's like along the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to get there and then I'll be happy. But then it wears off. And then I do it again. You know, it's this vicious cycle. Um, and I, I've a lot of people I've talked to, I feel like can relate to that at least. So I guess the last thing I, I would want to know is, do you relate to that? Do you have some version of happy, not satisfied you think about? And how do you, how do you kind of kind of reconcile all these things in your day to day to have like a, a fulfilling and happy life? Sure. Um, one of the most influential people in my life, aside from my mom and my dad and my husband, my siblings, um, was my seventh grade basketball coach. Her name Love is it. Donna Schillinglaw. And I went to junior high in Stephenville, Texas. And we were the honeybees. They still are. And seventh grade basketball, it was the first real sport that we could play as girls. And so everybody, you know, everybody's going to play basketball and they didn't really cut anybody from the team. We just ran and ran. <laughs> ran. Self-selection. 
Exactly. Exactly. But the thing that I, I, I mean, I learned, I could write a book on the lessons that I learned that year, but it was the first time that my brain said, your body's hurting. And normally I would have just stopped because, yeah. you know, body hurts, stop that, you know, she taught, no, your, your body is so much stronger than you think. And every time you push it, then what we did last week only gets easier. And I know that seems like so obvious and fundamental, but it's not until you actually really experience it yourself that you're like, oh my gosh, this hard work does pay off. But she constantly kept upping the game so that there was always a certain amount of pain. Like we never, we never hit satisfied. We never hit complacency. Yeah, we never achieved, you know, the, the top of the mountain. And that, I feel like that has played so much into my life that I, I'm, I'm never comfortable with comfortable. Like I like to feel just a little bit, um, you know, that I'm pushing myself just a little bit harder and, you know what, what I did last time that seemed really hard is not so hard today because of what I went through. And I've just used that through throughout my life. And I also think the fact that there was never, there was never a summit, you know, that we were trying to reach. Um, it was just, you know, infinite, if you will. And yeah. so I don't struggle with, okay, once I get my house in Malibu or, or whatever, <laughs> um, I don't struggle with that. What I do struggle with sometimes, like I said, being passionate about what I do and constantly kind of want to feeling that burn or that pain a little bit mm -hmm. and going too much mm. into that and neglecting yeah. other areas of my life. Interesting. That's a great yeah. story. I, I don't believe that you we're not good at speaking before you just, I mean, you're incredible. I like, that's just crazy to me. That's Great. exactly it though. And you said it's infinite and yeah. And like the way I always like to talk about it is just simply, there is no end. Like there's right. not some end that we're trying to get to. It's just, we want to keep going. <laughs> that's the whole yes. thing. Right. And enjoy yes. it along the way if we can. Yes. So I think that's fantastic. And I would yes. imagine that's see, that's why teachers are so important. I mean, Ellie is always talking about her teachers. Uh, my wife, yes. Ellie, from when she was oh. younger and the profound impact that they've had. And I know my dad impacted thousands and thousands of people who still reach out to him. So that's a great testament yes. to maybe teachers. Yes. Certainly. She probably did not have any idea when you were in seventh grade that now 10 years later, yes. <laughs> you're, years later. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're talking about that story. Like, so that, that's really, yeah. that's amazing. Um, yeah. well, Kelly, this was a fantastic conversation and I had high expectations and they have been exceeded. So <laughs> thank you so thank much you. for taking some time on your birthday, by the way, which I forgot thank to mention. You. Happy birthday. Thank, um, you. thank you. I'm glad that we got to celebrate a little bit together. This was very special. Yeah. Is yeah. there somewhere people can find you or, or your law firm on the internet? They can look you up. Sure. It's uh, www.cubettalaw.com. We're based here in beautiful uh, San Antonio, Texas. So yeah, check us out. And that's C-U-B-E-T-A. A. Okay. L-A-W.com. Okay. Yep. Amazing. And as always, if you want to learn more about Happy Not Satisfied, you can go to our website, which is just happynotsatisfied.com um, or the Instagram at happy.notsatisfied. And you can find all these episodes on Apple and Spotify. So Kelly, thank you so much. Um, I can't wait until we get to chat or see each other in person sometime soon. Looking forward to it. 